Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back everyone to Fragmenters. Thank you so much for uh, listening and subscribing and leaving your reviews. It helps get our voices out to everyone. So if you haven't yet, go ahead and do that. I'll pause. (laughs) All right. Today I am so excited to announce that I have Hallie Evelyn here. She is a transformational wealth coach and she has so much information. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. So welcome, Hallie. Hi, nice to be here. So can you give us a little bit of background? I know that you're a transformational wealth coach now, but you also have a long history of dominating male workforces. So I'd love for you to share that. Oh, I love that dominating male workforces. <laughs> it sounds so impressive. Um, so uh, I've been in uh, running businesses for over 30 years. I've been a coach uh, for about eight. But my first business, I, you know, I went to college on a theater scholarship. All I ever wanted to do was be an actress. And then when I was in my very early 20s, I had a chance to start one of the first uh, software companies that, you know, at at a time when this is pre-internet and it was a time when, when software was just absolutely on the meteoric rise, kind of the way that crypto is now and Web3 is now. Um, And so I got to pioneer the interactive film business and I was uh, the president of a software company called Hyperbole Studios back when me and four other women were executives in the entire industry. That was it. There were five of us. It's very, very, very tiny little pond. Yes. And, um, and, and for me, the, that, that was so powerful because I cut my teeth in business. It was like going to film school, business school, and, and finance school all at the same time, because as the president of the company, I ran the thing. So as we grew, I had to learn and acquire new skills all the time. And luckily, it was in an industry where people hadn't really done this before. So again, I, it is so identical. And I'm, I'm loving watching the patterns in crypto and Web3 right now, because it's identical to what I saw when I was, you know, in my 20s and, 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 and growing my business for the first time. And so there was no such thing as, well, I have haven't done this before or I haven't been to school for it because there there were no schools like you can go mm-hmm. today you can get a game design degree you can get a degree in graphic design for computer games you can get a degree in interactive film you could do none of those things before we helped pioneer those those industries so um it was like every day I would wake up and it was never boring <laughs> there was always something new <laughs> to discover and I feel like when you're an entrepreneur that's the truth if you are willing to go there. And, you know, I am first and foremost these days a mindset coach. I do transformational wealth coaching because it's an opportunity for me to uh, help women shift their energy of money, which I know we're going to talk a lot about later. Mm -hmm. Um, But the point is that for me, mindset is really everything. And so when we have the mindset of nobody's done this before, I'm the one that's going to be doing this today, and I'm going to invent this wheel 
you can't have, you know, people can't come up to you and go, well, you know, you're too young or you're not educated enough or you don't know what you're doing or you'll, that'll never work, which are a lot of the things. I mean, people tried to tell me that when I was in that industry, but Mm -hmm. I, but they didn't know any better than I did because the industry had, you know, was just starting. So it was really, really powerful, like core skills of relying on my own internal compass and relying on my, my, confidence, even though sometimes it was bravado and not confidence at all, (laughs) uh, that, that, you know, I was going to be able to get through that day and I was going to be able to make that deal work, or I was going to be able to make that, you know, film work or, or, or whatever. And it was, it was just, it was such, it was such a powerful experience. I I was in real estate for about 10 years as well. Um, right after, uh, right after the the turn of the century, as they now say, which (laughs) makes every one of us sound super, super old. Um, so I was in real estate for about 10 years and, and a lot of, uh, there's a lot of women realtors, which I was not, I was a private investor. Um, but there's not a lot of women necessarily, or at least there wasn't at that time, uh, doing what I did, which was like housing remodels. So I was like, running construction teams and uh, working with investors. And so a lot of math, a lot of money. And again, that tended at that time anyway, to be a more male dominated industry. And I always like playing with the boys because you can both, well, to be honest, you can both play a girl. Oh, I didn't understand that. Oh, could you explain that to me? Because you're so much smarter than I am being a man and all. And you can also be like, you know, you can cry when you need to. Dudes are never going to do that. So they get scared when that happens even still. But then you can also like really show up powerfully and they're and like, whoosh, they don't expect it. And I feel like this is like thousands of years of programming. And now it's like we can really just like run our own show, do our own thing, really enjoy it and go in and out of, I mean, I apologize for my my stereotyping accents there, but I, I just, I love the idea that you know, when you can use your brain and just do whatever you want to do and and kind of swim in the masculine field, in the feminine field, whichever you prefer. And I think women get to do that today. It's just so powerful. I'm going to be quiet now because you, you could tell I could talk about this like all day long. So yes. Oh my gosh, no one can see me, but my jaw is like dropped and I'm just like taking it all in. I love this so much. You hit on so many things that I want to talk about. One is the flow between the masculine and feminine, which uh, I actually, I'm being reminded of one of my very first episodes and it is, her name is DJ Georgie Girl. And she was one of the first radio DJs at her company. And she talked about her transition from not hearing any women on the radio to now there are so many because she is of an older generation and that transition and hearing how it affected other people differently, it seems like, than it did you. Whereas a lot of us women, we don't see other women and we kind of wait for that pioneer. And you were like, no, I am the pioneer. There are thousands of men and I am one of five women. So have you always been that I don't know if brazen is the right word, but have you always brazen had is that? a really good okay. word for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you always been like that or was it something you acquired later in life? Well, you're reminding me of a story that I've never told out loud before, 
According to my father and mother, when I was six years old, I was going to school in Germany, which is where we were living at the time. And the and the um, teacher asked everybody in the ha- in in the class to raise their hands if they were left-handed. And apparently, only two people in class raised their hand. And so I came home and said, "From now on, I'm going to be left-handed," and I was. And it drove my father crazy. And he was like, you're going to get that ink mark on the back of your hand. So I had to learn to write like with my hand curved differently. So Mm -hmm. I can like, literally I can hold a, I can hold a notebook. I can turn it like 90 degrees and then I can write straight up the, I can write straight up the page and it will look normal when I turn it back the normal way, because that way my hand was twisted and Uh, the like not over twisted so that I wasn't covering the writing that I had written on like that was like a a parameter that he gave me but my handwriting is actually excellent my sister's right hand and she has terrible handwriting so I find (laughs) that really interesting but I think that it's that story illustrates that I was uh I wanted to be I wanted to stand up from the pack at a very very young age because at six I was like well more people are here so I want to be over here And, you know, they say only left-handed people, because of the way the brain hemispheres work, only left-handed people are in their right minds. Uh So I've always really enjoyed that. Um, So, yeah, I feel like that was me, apparently, from a very early age. Um, But it it wasn't so much like, I wasn't like, oh, I want to go dominate that industry. It was just that when this happened, I was working professionally in the theater, and the people that I co-founded the company with were also in the theater with me. And when the opportunity came up, it was like, well, if I go work in the theater, at that time, Glenn Close was like really popular on Broadway and also had a movie career that was burgeoning. And so I was like, well, Glenn Close has already done all these roles that I really want to do. So I'm not going to be first. But if I go over here, there's nobody like nobody's done this before. So I'll be first. So that's a chance to do something exciting. And that's really why I went. So I feel like that was very interesting for me to get to make that choice. But I, I want to talk more about what you were saying before about the, um, the the flow between the masculine and the feminine. The Dalai Lama said that the world will be saved by the Western woman. And I have come to understand that he did not mean Western women in general. He meant actual me, actual you, actual you who is listening to this podcast. That's your call right there to go save the world. And we are doing it one at a time. Now, you know, I'm a mindset coach. So when I private coach my clients, I hear all the time these days that women are, as we say, getting the call. It means that spirit, God, whatever your higher power is, has whispered in your ear, it's time. And what it's time means is it's time for women to take back their power from 3,000 years of a patriarchy telling us what we could and couldn't do. Full and body the, chills. <laughs> <laughs> and women, women have been told for a very long time what we were allowed to do. It was 1974 before women could have their own mortgages, have their own credit cards, and have their own bank accounts without daddy or hubby co-signing. And 1974 is within my lifetime, even though I can tell from your forehead, not within yours, but it's okay because it's, you know, you're the generation that we've been waiting for. 
Like yes. you're the one that has, has grown up with the legacy of this is safe for me. I have my own money. I have my own choices. I don't have to get married. I don't have to have babies. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those things. If those are your desires and they are a lot of women's desires, but two, not instead of, and if they aren't your desires, you're not, you're no longer locked into a society that requires those things of you. However, 3000 years of your mothers, your grandmothers, your great grandmothers, your great, great, great grandmothers and your ancestors being forced into those situations and those things that I'm talking about, like everything I just said applies like nine times more for anybody whose skin is not white. Like if you are a person of color of any color, you've had it a lot harder than this and you've been locked into a lot smaller box than even white women. But it is true for all of us women and the freedom that we have, but we have to shed the shackles. And one of the ways you can do that is by understanding that the masculine and the feminine live inside of each of us, inside of men, inside of women. There is the feminine, creative, disruptive, flowy parts, and there are the masculine, structured, systems, accomplishment parts. So the feminine is the being, the masculine is the doing. And the feminine can accomplish a lot more by being than the masculine can accomplish by doing. And that sounds like it's um, counterintuitive because when we think about like what we want, we think about like, okay, let me set this goal and then let me break the goal down into small tasks and then let me go make that goal happen. But what what I share with a lot of clients is it is just perfectly okay to say, this is what I want. And then to simply ask, what is my next smallest step and not understand our entire pathway to get there? Like I have just set intentions for myself in the last, I don't know, two weeks. I can't even tell you how I'm going to go, but I can tell you what the next thing is that I need to do in order to get there. And then when I get done, I'm going to ask again, what's my next smallest step? And that's what I'm going to hear. And I'm going to go do that. And I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that. And then eventually I'll get to the goal and I'll turn around and I'll see the path behind me. That is a very feminine approach, but it will actually get you a lot faster of the way there than if you try to figure it out all beforehand before you take the first step. And so I think those different approaches and the idea of the feminine being in flow versus the masculine you know, hustle and struggle and fierce, like attachment to that grind, we women are going to get where we want a lot faster. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that was, I said, I had two parts. That was the second thing I wanted to talk with you about was bringing the feminine into the masculine. And That was, again, DJ Georgie Girl. We had talked about in the 80s when women started getting, like you mentioned, they had their own bank accounts, they can get houses, they could be in these positions of power. Our dress changed, our hair got big, Our we had giant shoulders, we had platform shoes, you know, everything got bigger. And in this this documentary, they talked about how it was a physical representation of being big enough to be in those rooms that it's they've funny never because been in before. I, yeah. So I was in high school in the eighties and college in the eighties and on my sleeves were, I mean, my shoulders were insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really actually, in my opinion, when I was going through it, 
that like you're the first person to ever draw those parallels in my like and I was a fa- I, I was like definitely a fashion hog at that time <laughs> um but I really was into it and mm-hmm. and what we loved was the triangular shape of the big shoulder pads and the narrow narrow um pants and and like the little ankle boots um but for me taking up more space t- was an emotional process and i always have been i would have like my core fear most of my life was being afraid of being too big in the world mm-hmm. and i covered that a lot i covered it physically but with extra weight which is a weird thing to say about you're afraid of being too big so let's get you know let's get heavier but that was the thing that i you know, that was like your armor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it really isn't a conscious thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing this, like, you know, on the backside of that now understanding, um, but also being loud and being told from the time that I was a little girl, be quiet, let other people have a chance. And they mostly meant the boys because the girls didn't make a lot of noise, right? right. The boys were the ones that, that normally would talk. I think we have major storm coming in because I'm hearing some <laughs> serious thunder outside. I think I even heard the thunder. Yeah, that was good. So, so, sorry about that. It's like, I'm like, what are they doing downstairs off my balcony? But um, anyway, so um, I, I the universe like is saying, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Odin is rolling his bowl. O- Odin is bowling, I believe that's yes. what they said. <laughs> so, so I feel like for me, you know what I what I tend to share with women that I feel like they all need to hear at least once is the phrase there's no I in team is BS there are a bunch of eyes that make up the team and when you take yourself out of that ability to be a team player if your if your need to be a team player means that there is no room for you and that team could be your family that team could be your workspace it doesn't you know team could be just you and your partner but when women tend to as a client put it a long time ago pretzel themselves around their men for example mm-hmm. or around their their life partner right we tend to remake ourselves in the image of the man that we're with and I was so guilty of this. We tend to remake ourselves. Yeah, we we tend to like we go into a work and we go into a work environment, and we're like, you know, how do I fit in? But you don't. You fitting in isn't important. You standing out is important because your ideas have value. Your voice is important. Your voice is what people need to hear. So when you stand out and you are showing up in that way, you're leading. And women leaders are what we need right now. Women leaders are the opportunity of the future. And if the world is not saved by the Western woman, the world will not be saved at all because the old white guys that are running the political system are doing a crap job of it. And uh, now we're at a place where we really need some strong leadership. And, you know, I mean, look right now as we're recording this, there's this war going on because some guy decided his sandbox wasn't big enough 
and he wanted a bigger sandbox and invaded mm -hmm. this country, which has something like one third of the world's food resources. I mean, it's crazy how much Ukraine is, ser is serving the world food wise. And everything is changing because Putin decided, you know, his sandbox wasn't big enough and he wanted to go get a bigger one. If a woman were running Russia, that wouldn't have happened. She would not have just randomly said, because it's antithetical to women, let's go kill a bunch of people for no reason. Now, to defend, yes. And there are example after example in history of women defending their territory, but the women aren't the big conquerors because the women don't think in terms of let's go kill things. Women think in terms of let's go make things, right. human beings among them, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 look, this is a generalization. I'm sure there have been bloodthirsty women in the world. History has failed to record very many, if any of them, but mm -hmm. just in general, history has record has failed to record a lot of stories about powerful women, powerful queens, powerful princesses, powerful individual women. You know, it's like uh, Boadicea, Queen Elizabeth I, Queen Victoria, Joan of Arc, not too many others, right? Right. That sucks, but it's because history is written by the men. So I think as women, we have to say, like, we're, ah, wait, tying this back, all of a sudden, women you're here to invent the new thing day by day. No one has done this before because there wasn't a path for you until there mm -hmm. is now. So show up new and show up fierce and show up brazen, right? Yeah. Yeah. I. It's less than 50 years ago, we were given yeah. access to our own money. That yep. I, I, a lot of people don't realize that Women couldn't have their own bank accounts. They couldn't own their own houses. But there were single women running businesses. Like it was their empire and they could not have a bank account. They could not have their own house, even though they were the sole heir to what they were building. And that's less so, than 50 years ago. That's so, there, so amazing. So there were exceptions to that. Well, you yes. know, Mad Madam C.J. Walker, for example, who was the first, uh, I, I know she was the first black millionaire in the country. I do not believe she was not the first millionaire, that uh, first female millionaire. Mm -hmm. The first female millionaire was a woman named hmm, Hester something or other, Hester Brown or something in the 1800s. Incredibly mm -hmm. frugal, owned two dresses both black period the end and was like a multi 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 millionaire really fascinating lady um but uh, uh but madam cj walker not only ran her own company she started the first bank for black people and you know so did she have her own bank account yeah pretty sure it was at her bank yeah. that she started so i know that women you know were and she also like she had a, a she had a force at one time of something like 20,000 women working for her um, at a time in the you know 30s, 40s, and 50s when that was not normal at all. But it's just a really like it is it is unusual. And you know, for example, I found out about um, about C.J. Walker because of this wonderful movie about her life. And um, I otherwise I wouldn't have heard of her. There are a lot of stories that are just now being told for the first time. My uh, dear friend uh, Kathleen McGowan, who is um, the best-selling author of 
many wonderful books, um, wrote this series called, um, now I'm forgetting, but I think it's called the the Magdalene Line. Mm -hmm. And the second book in the series is called The Book of Love. And uh, the first is the the kind of like the love story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene set against um, a a rather Da Vinci Code sort of wonderful story, but with a female at the center. It's just brilliant writing. But the second book, The Book of Love, is the story of Matilda of Canossa, who was a 12th century um, Tuscan queen who is pretty much lost to history. And Kathleen tells the story that she was in, in the Vatican and she was looking for, I think it was, um, the crypt of, or or the, the, um, uh, you know, the, the mausoleum of like St. Peter, I think. Mm -hmm. And she was there and bumped into this woman's, uh, uh, you know, effigy at her mausoleum and was like, who is this? Why is she here right next to this like really, really important saint? And it was Matilda of Canossa. And so she started researching her and found out, you know, warrior led her armies into battle herself, ran Tuscany, which at the time was like one of the most important city states in the world for something like 40 years, um, was, you know, deeply good friends with um, uh, the Pope at the time, like, was, you know, politically, like, completely astute. Now, the rest of it, let's call it historic historical fiction, which is what Kathleen calls it, but mm-hmm. the story of Matilda herself, Kathleen researched the Christmas out of to bring us the truth about a woman who was really lost to history. She's just this effigy in the Vatican, but why is she there? Nobody's bothered to write down her story historically, except a little teeny weeny bit. But I had to read Kathleen's book to even have heard of her. There are hundreds and hundreds of women that we're not hearing about because the world is a male-dominated industry, right? The world is a patriarchy. Yes. I actually had the pleasure of talking with an actor and she brought up because she talked about all the hard things in Hollywood that women need to be aware of. And after we discussed, you know, physically it's unsafe and mentally it's unsafe and monetarily it's unfair. Why women need to be in that industry? Because it doesn't sound like women should, but She brought up the fantastic point, which you just hit on again, and that is if there are no women on the screen, no women's stories are being told. That's it. Not just being able to, the, the world went crazy when Encanto came out. There were Mm -hmm. so many men and women who were excited and children especially who were excited to see themselves on the screen for the first time in a major motion picture now if you don't have women in in these positions our stories aren't heard they aren't told because like you said predominantly it's being written by men and men don't know because you usually surround yourself with images of yourself. So they're not surrounded by big, powerful women, especially since we're harder to find. We're getting there, but we're harder to find. (laughs) And so we have to have women in there just so that we can hear more than five women's story. 
Although they're powerful, there are billions. There have to be out there. Oh, absolutely. And what women have to offer is so powerful. I mean, I'll give you one example is uh, Hedy Lamarr. Now, Hedy Lamarr was this famous actress in like the 1930s and 40s, but she also was like a rocket scientist and she held the patents for what eventually became uh, the internet and those, you know, those things that preceded the internet were created and developed by her. Um, the, uh, there was a, um, Lord Byron, uh, Henry Lord Byron's daughter, Ada, was a, the first woman to ever do machine code, which means in essence, she was again, pre preceding, but the first person to code for a machine is the first computer programmer. Now it's again, like a super early, early prototype, but she was the first person to do it. So that's why like in, um, uh, in crypto Cardano is the call letters for Cardano are Ada. It's not ADA, it's Ada, her first name in honor yeah. of her. So there are these little tiny ways and that's just two examples. You know, she was in the, um, I, I believe the eight, late 1800s and then Hedy Lamarr in the early, uh, in the early half of the, um, the uh, 20th century doing really powerful things that had huge effects on our history. But that's not really what we remember them for. If it weren't for me kind of trying to figure out about Cardano, which is a crypto that I personally like, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't have heard that story. And I don't, you know, the story is like really, really minor. If it weren't for a me like liking Hedy Lamar, I wouldn't have heard that story. So it's not exactly lost to the ages, but it's hardly the stuff that's being taught in school. Yes. And I think that it's very important that her story, as they say, like her story, yes. history get rewritten because women need to see who it is that they are for them to feel like it's safe for them to be there. And, uh, you know, I have a, a friend who runs a group called the Dames and the Dames started in Denver and now it's gone international. It's in like 14 countries or something, but the Dames is for women who are making six figures or more. And when she started it, she said, you have to be able to see it to become it. And that was her motivation for starting the Dames. The Dames is not very expensive to join, but the idea was just let's get all of these women understanding that each other exists and then helping to support each other. And that's what I love about like Web3, for example, is very not female centric necessarily, but it's certainly open for women. And, um, you know, I have this podcast, Goddess of Crypto, by women, for women. I only interview women on the show. I'm educating women. That's my audience is educating women about not just cryptocurrency, but about, you know, Web3, the metaverse, all of that stuff, because I see that as the future of money. And I see crypto as the future of money. I see, I see all of that stuff as the future of where we're going with the financial industry and technology combining into literally, it's already called fintech. And I think that there's a lot of room for women, but not if women don't feel comfortable. So I'm out yes. there right now forging that space because I, and, and the image that I get is like, 
you know, a lot of brambles and I'm there with an ax right now, just chopping through, not because it's not, it's a hostile environment, simply because it's unknown territory, but web three in general tends to be more open to women. There's a big bro culture in crypto, but there are a lot of women out there and they tend to take each other under their wing, support each other, be kind to each other, honor each other, tell each other about what the others are doing, share their stuff super, super valuable and important. So there is a sisterhood culture that's coming up inside of Web3. You know, one of the taglines that I have for Goddess of Crypto is the future of finance is female. And I think we're, you know, you're helping to make that happen. I'm helping to make that happen. That's Mm -hmm. very, very important right now. It is for sure. And I'd like to get more into the crypto, but I have to agree with you. Her story is so big. And there were a few things I was in. I was doing a paper on Harriet Tubman for Mm -hmm. English 101. I had no idea that she was this badass militant fighter. No idea. And she was one of my idols in school. Me too. They didn't yeah. teach us that shit. And I love that I feel the dynamic shift happening because especially where I live in Idaho, there it's very Mormon dominant. There are many women who are interviewing and writing books about their mother, their grandmother, their great grandmother, just to make sure it's out there. And I think that it's part of we're finally observing how lost the women were and we're ensuring that's no longer the case. We can't go back and find all the information we lost, but we can for damn sure make sure it doesn't happen again. And I love that that is kind of happening now. Mm -hmm. But I really would like you to talk about crypto because just having our voice out there talking about, hey, I want to make more money. That's not a bad thing, which we've always been told. This is part of the hushing and the don't be loud and the don't be big. So I love getting out there, talk about finance. But crypto, I think you're right. I think that it is the money of the future. And we for sure need to know what we're doing. So could you give us a little bit of spiel on what we should be looking at and how to get more information? Absolutely. I mean, my podcast, Goddess of Crypto, you can go to goddessofcrypto.me, M-E. That is a great place to start. Um, I think we're over, we're almost 30 episodes in now, and there is a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of information. Like I've already done three episodes just on crypto vocabulary. I've interviewed some incredible women there. The power that is there is, is so great because I can really like here, I have this brand new podcast and I can ask any woman, will you be on the show? And she's like, Oh my gosh, where do I sign up for that? Because it's, it's so cool for them that it's, that it actually exists. So uh, the women that have said yes to this are are really like at the top of their game. Um, I will say also that crypto is not scary and it's pretty new, right? It's only like 2009, the first uh, Bitcoin white paper was the first crypto. Sorry, Bitcoin was the first crypto. The white paper that came out was 2009. But since about 2012, there have been like some crypto transactions and such. I heard about crypto like 2013, asked around kind of got a download about like, 
you know, this was the new thing, but didn't do anything with it until 2017. So I've had a crypto portfolio just since 2017. Everybody shows up in, in the mainstream and asks, like, am I too late? And the answer is no, you are so freaking early, it's not even funny. Yeah. I, I said earlier that crypto and, and the internet are running and uh, are, are seem very similar to me, and they are literally running in parallel. I've seen some beautiful charts that show that a that the patterns that are being followed by crypto are identical to the patterns of internet adoption and that we are approximately at this moment in 1995 to 1996 as oh, far we're as babies as, yes so in 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 the internet 1995 there were 14 million people in the internet and by 2000 there were like like 2 billion people. So it was a ridiculous trajectory. Mm -hmm. And we are about to see that in crypto. We are exactly at that, that. We had about that same, you know, 14 million people, not the number, but the same level of adoption compared to, remember the world's like, there's like another billion people already in the world since then, because right. we're growing, we're growing so much faster. So more people than that are in crypto, but it's still like this super, super small fragment. They estimate between three and 10% of people own crypto. And so it's like really, really low, comparatively speaking. But crypto cuts across so many culture disparities, color disparities, and I mean skin color disparities. The thing, like the the unbanked of the world, and the according to the World Bank, there are something like, um, uh, like I think the IMF says there there are like two billion unbanked people. So that's like a third almost of the world. This fixes all of that. You need a phone, you need satellite access, you're done, period. Like you can, you and you don't have to have a bank and you don't have to have a gatekeeper telling you what's okay. And mm -hmm. the transaction is visible and it's instantaneous and it costs almost nothing. So it eliminates so many of the problems. And there, right now, the statistic is that three quarters of retailers are expecting to adopt crypto in, the, in some form in the next two years. So there are huge shifts coming, like sea changes you cannot believe. And my the, the big thing that I say on Goddess of Crypto is I'm teaching you to surf before the financial tsunami knocks you over, because mm -hmm. that is what's happening. The tsunami is building. Well, if you look at a real tsunami, you can see that when the tsunami is about to hit, all the water goes out from the beach and mm -hmm. the fish are like flopping around. By that time, it is too late. You, even if you run for the hills, chances are you're, or, you know, run up in a, the next, you know, the hotel that's at the beach, chances are you can't get high enough in the elevator before the tsunami hits. You're in, you're in deep, deep, deep trouble at that moment. Yeah. But if you know that in three days, there's going to be a tsunami, you can plan for that and you can get off the beach. You can get up into the hills and you have plenty of time. You mostly have plenty of time because the road's empty, because nobody's panicking, because nobody's announced the tsunami yet. That's where we are in the tsunami building stage. But by the time the roads are crowded and you can't get out, that's when everybody wants to go. We will get to that point. And there is a moment when Bitcoin will be worth whatever, a half a million dollars to a million dollars a coin because it's deflationary, which is not, our currency is not. And there's a whole, like, again, this is all in Goddess of Crypto and right. in all of the crypto teachings that I do, but it's too big for this conversation. But yeah. our money is inflationary and we've had 80% 
0.80, and I am not making this up. You can just look it up online. 80% of all the money in circulation has been printed in the last two years. Mm -hmm. That's like going to a swimming pool that was already almost full and saying, hey, let's dump three feet more water in, but then claiming the water only rose a couple of inches because that's what they're saying about inflation is like, oh, we only have you know 7% inflation. No, we do not. We are not being told, like you can manipulate any numbers and they are manipulating the Christmas out of all of these numbers. So what is important for you as a woman to take away right now is you can control your own economy and you can invest in yourself. And if you get just a little bit of education, and I mean a little bit, you will feel safe enough to begin investing in the new economy, which is crypto, and especially starting with Bitcoin. You can buy Bitcoin and PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. You don't have to own a crypto wallet. You don't have to go out and you know learn a bunch of new stuff in order to do that. In order to buy Bitcoin, all you have to do is like log into your PayPal and click the buy button and you know put a couple hundred dollars in, put what you feel like you can, you know, pretend you went gambling one night and you were spending whatever your comfort level was. Go ahead and just spend that on Bitcoin and then just leave it in your account. And in 10 years, you'll thank me for this. Now, I'm not giving financial advice. I don't ever give right. financial advice. I'm just telling you what my opinion is about the future that I have been given some pretty big glimpses into. And, I, you know, if you go back and look at the fall of Rome, it, it it's like Ernest Hemingway famously said in one of his books, a guy asks, how did you go bankrupt? And the other guy says, slowly at first and then suddenly and that's it that's everything yeah. and we are we are in the slowly phase right now now is the time to get educated now is the time to make different choices now is the time to decide that you're going to care about your money because you can and because the fact that you don't or you hide from it or you're afraid of it or whatever is because you weren't trained properly because they didn't teach us this stuff in school mm -hmm. and they told us for 3,000 years that they could take it away at any time and then they did. Right. Um, have you heard of the app Coinbase? Of course. I've got three Coinbase accounts and okay. a bunch of other exchanges and yes, all of that stuff. Yeah. Would you recommend, because I knew nothing about crypto. And I had that same feeling that you're talking about that it's going to be of the future and I need to learn about it, but I have a million hats already. So I downloaded Coinbase because it does, it'll actually give you free cryptocurrency for learning about crypto. Yeah. And I actually like that aspect of them. And mm -hmm. um, if you're going to get your crypto for free from Coinbase, that's awesome. But if you're going to invest any significant money, you need to, to, to invest in the education part. Yeah. You can invest in the education in Coinbase. That's great. They're giving you free crypto for learning. I love mm -hmm. that. Yes. But what you want to do is make sure that you are educating yourself also about getting a wallet and a wallet is basically just an app but it holds your money either on the exchange coinbase is an exchange or separately which is called cold storage and that's what you really want is something where you your crypto is being pulled off of 
the exchanges into cold storage. And if you don't do that, you are risking the platform itself collapsing. We've seen that several times this year. Uh, they over leverage themselves and then over leverage basically means they, they give out more money than they should. Mm-hmm. And like regular banks do this all the time. If you put $100 into the bank, the bank can loan multiples of your $100, $100 out and they're not keeping it in the bank anyway. So these stories that we have about like, oh, my money is safe in the bank. No, your money's in ones and zeros and in the ether and only exists as, as a concept at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so crypto exchanges are the same way. They're, they're running just like the banks are. It's not like, oh, it's worse than the banks. But them doing that, loaning out, you know, loaning the crypto out that they take in is dangerous when there's such a big volatility in the market as we've seen. So I really can't recommend that you keep your money on Coinbase. And if you do, make sure it's in Coinbase wallet, which is not directly on the exchange. But if Coinbase collapses tomorrow, you'd lose all of it. Even on the wallet? Even on the wallet, because if the company has gone out of business, it's basically like, hey, we switched the computers off. So you can't necessarily get that back if they really like, if they go bankrupt, maybe you still can because maybe they can't touch that part. But mm-hmm. I don't want to have to get to the place where we're challenging that. You know, let's let's figure that out. No, right. make sure your money is, is is being kept safer than that. And that's really what I'm saying to you and, and, and just to anybody. Again, you know, my advice really is just you want to get educated so that you can be safe, so that you can be careful. And Again, I, I I steer you also back to the podcast, to, back to Goddess of Crypto, because all that stuff is all explained in like way more detail than we could ever get into here. Because it's important that and 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 it's explained in super plain English. Because I don't like if, if we can't learn apples to apples, like if I explain something, like if I just launched into a conversation about wallets and cold storage and hot storage and hot swapping and all that stuff, you would be like, ah. Yes. <laughs> but most of the stuff that's out there explains it in those terms. So I feel like you have to like back up a step and assume people only speak English. They don't speak crypto. So you have to explain all the things to them. And, and um, you know, I mean, I love, though, the idea, what you said that's so important is I'm getting educated and mm-hmm. I'm earning free crypto to do it. Great. That's yes. fine, because now that's not your money. That's the house's money, as they speak say. So if you're going to gamble, gamble with the house's money and not with your own. Right. I agree. So I know you have a hard stop in one minute. We're pushing it to the edge. But this (laughs) was such a good conversation. And I feel like I didn't get a lot of the things that I just want to talk to you again. Is that something you're open to? (laughs) Of course, of course. I look I love what you're doing. And it's so important. And and for your listeners, I just want to say, you know, keep coming back, whether it's it's um, your show or my show or anything that you're called to, you know, on, on YouTube or on, on any of the audio channels. It, there's so much education right now that you can get in the world. Just be a lifelong learner and know that there is new stuff happening in 1908 that somebody famously said in the patent office, we should close now. Everything's been invented. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, look at the opportunity of everything that's coming along right now. Right. There's my hard stop. Okay. Thank you so much. I Sorry, appreciate I this. You have a great day and I look forward to meeting with you again. Thank you so much. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 
Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down. Wanna be like